Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. This is knocking at the door of your heart. Won't you let Him in? Amen. So, uh, as you can see, I am uh, not Pastor John. I'm his uh, chocolate nephew, Donald R. Johnson III. Um, now, it's always a, a pleasure and an honor to be here um, and to share the word with you guys. I'm going to just be honest with you guys. Can, can I be honest with you, be upfront? Um, in preparation of this message, like, it seemed like, like I was not feeling spiritual whatsoever in trying to prepare this and, and come up here. I've known about this for quite some time and been preparing for it, but just like over the last couple of weeks, it was rough, man. Just like, you know, life's been happening. And uh, so um, I'm just going to do this by faith. Amen. Because, you know, we can't be moved by what we see. We can't be moved by what we feel. We have to be moved by the spirit of the living God. Amen. So this morning, I'm going to just ask y'all basically what the title of this message is, is grace. Run that back. Can y'all run that back? Because I need some grace this morning. Amen. All right. So we're going to start with 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 17. If you don't know, this is this is Keiko. You can hear Keiko hooping and hollering because that, that's her scripture right there. She she for as long as I've known, I've known Keiko for some years, Keiko and Jim, and that is Keiko's verse right there. Um, so let's see what it says. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen. So, let me give you a little bit of my background. I've I've grown. I've been in church my whole life. Um, grew up in church. Um, been saved since I was about sixteen. And uh, the reason why I make the distinction is because there is a distinction between the two. Um, young people, listen. There comes a time where it's called the age of accountability. See, I've been in church my whole life, and as a child, because I was raised in church, I had a godly mother who, who raised me in the things of God. Um, I, was, I was pretty much saved by default because of her. But when I became old enough to be responsible for my own relationship with Christ, it's a whole nother story. It's because, it's because I knew more. You know, you know, there's that saying, if you know better, then you should do better, right? It kind of comes from that scripture that talks about if you know to do good and you don't do it, that is sin. Amen? So, give you a little bit of my background. I mean, I, I grew up in church, been saved since I was a teenager. And I'll admit, man, I made a lot of progress in my walk with the Lord from, from then till now. Of course... Uh, 
last year, I, I'd made the declaration that, you know, I, was, I decided that, you know, I'm going to get my life together. I'm going to do, you know, make some changes, do some, some things and stuff. And last year went phenomenal. Um, this year started, wasn't so great. Um, still trying to carry that, you know, that, that, that good uh, progress into this year. And, like, just this year was just rough for me. It didn't go as smooth as last year. It was just kind of like, man, uh, I had to rethink my life a little bit. And so there were some things that just came about that kind of just made me quit. My attitude was getting worse. I was becoming increasingly upset about things, even though there was good things happening in my life. Amen? Does that sound familiar to anybody? So my wife... Um, who has a, 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 a bomb relationship with the Lord. Um, she came to me one day and she was like, you know, the Lord told me to tell you. She was like, you know, you have this, you have this protective shell that you've developed and you don't need it anymore because where God's taking you, you don't need that anymore. And I was like, whatever. I was like, whatever. And as I said, things became increasingly difficult. And the Lord has his way of when he, when he has something for you, he has it for you. There's, there's no way around it. Um, it's funny, I was, I've been listening, listening lately to this, this cat uh, named Jason Upton, phenomenal, like, prophetic worship artist. And he had this song called Run, Baby, Run. And he's talking about how you can run from God, and he'll let you run, but you'll end up running right into him, right? And so that was kind of like what it was. It was like the word of the Lord came through the voice of my wife, and I was like, whatever. And sure enough, what ends up happening is I end up running right into this opportunity where um, I took this class on transformational discipleship. And might I say that, that this was the first class that I ever took that— made me intentionally look at myself. I didn't look at anybody else. I didn't look at what I can get from this to give to somebody else. I was, I was, I was literally faced with the mirror and looking at myself, my ugly self. And I'm going to share a story with you. It says, there's an old story about a boy who, having grown up at the edge of a wide, turbulent river, Spent his childhood learning to build rafts. When the boy reached manhood, he felled some trees, lashed them together, and riding his raft, he crossed to the far side of the river. Because he had spent so long working on the raft, he couldn't see leaving it behind when he reached dry land. So he lashed it to his shoulders and carried it with him. Though all he came upon in his journey were a few easily fordable streams and puddles, he rarely thought about the things he was missing out on because he was carrying the bulky raft, the trees he couldn't climb, the vistas he couldn't see, people he couldn't get close to, and races he couldn't run. He didn't even realize how heavy the raft was because he had never known what it was like to be free of it. In a nutshell, that was pretty much the, the place that I was in. I developed some habits. I developed some defense mechanisms, if you will, um, as a young man. 
I virtually grew up grew up fatherless. So my mother raised me, and, and anybody who knows Scripture and knows what God's ordinance is for the family structure, you know that, that the man, it starts with the man. The man is the head. The man is the, 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 the husband, the father, the protector, the covering. And so having grown up with that deficiency and that lack, of my, lack in my life, I had to develop my own protection. I had to survive. And mainly that survival had to deal with my relationships and how I dealt with people. Mind you, like I said, I've made a lot of progress in my walk with the Lord, but it always seemed to be a deficiency when it came to my relationships. Like I had the, I had the gift of cut off. Like if you, you get on my nerves, you rub me the wrong way, you get the ax. And it wasn't, and, it, and, it, and, and that's just how it was. We still saved, yeah, but no. And how many of y'all know that that's not the heart of God? That's not the heart of God. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that you're supposed to reconcile with everybody. Because there are some people that you're not meant to reconcile with. But me, it was just like, it, it, it was bare minimum stuff. Like, I, I cut you off in a heartbeat, right? But, uh, <laughs> but my wife through spending time with the Lord, she saw that she was, she, was, she was basically letting me know that God is trying to do something. He, ha he has a desire for you, which basically stuff that God has already been, confirming stuff that God has already been dealing with me with. Because it wasn't the first time that, that, that I heard anything about my relationship issues when I got, this, got to this class. Hello? The spirit of the living God has dwelled within me since the time that I entered into the relationship with Christ. And he's been going about house, trying to get things in order. But the thing is, is he's not going to go against your will. So I was like this, this, this boy. I'm, I'm, the boy had gotten so used to building these rafts, and then when he became a man, he spent so much time building this thing that was supposed to just be a vehicle to get him through that season that he couldn't, he couldn't bear to part with it. You, you see, I had become accustomed to my anger. I be, I'd became accustomed to my callousness. I'd become accustomed to not having to go deeper than the surface in a relationship because I don't want to deal with all the hurt and all of that stuff that comes along with relationships. One of, my, one of my defense mechanisms was, I don't care. How many of us are like that? We don't care, but we really do. I don't care what people think about me. But then I hear people talking about, man, that dude is mean. I'm really not mean, but then I don't care. I'd be like... But but what made it what made it what made it what made it hard for me was because of the fact that the people that are close to me that love me that do know me and know I'm not like that, it bothered me because it hurt them, that people had this this conception this this perception of me. And so, that was kind of like the turning point where the Lord was like, "So what you gonna do about this, man? What's gonna happen?" Everybody has a race set before them. 
Everybody has a race that's set before them. The problem with us is that most of us are good at being functional. But the fact is we must be intentional if we are going to fulfill the call of God on our lives. I became functional being angry. I became functional being depressed. I became functional being callous. I became functional trying to run this race carrying all of my baggage. There's many of us that are sitting in this room the same way. We're carrying all kinds of stuff that God has been trying to get us to let go of. Pleading with us to let go of. Pleading, pleading with us to leave it at his feet. But we won't release it because we've become accustomed to it. And we've become comfortable with it. And we've been able, we figure, you know what, I'm functioning. So it, it can't be too bad. The race that's before us, Hebrews chapter 12, starting with verse 1. This is the Amplified Version. It says, therefore then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to and entangles us. And let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of race that is set before us, looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief, and is also its finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. He, for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him, endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Just think of him who endured from sinners such grievous opposition and bitter hostility against himself. Reckon up and consider it all in comp comparison with your trials, so that you may not grow weary or exhausted, losing heart and relaxing and fainting in your minds. We've become functional with the distractions. We've become functional with the weights that we've been carrying, trying to run this race. but we must be intentional if we are going to fulfill the call of God on our lives. The problem is we allow the distractions to become the main attraction, thus losing traction, and we are reduced to only a fraction of our true self when Christ has paid for us to be whole. Why are we settling? When God has given us the grace what, I'm, what, I'm, what I've come to find is that every time that you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit beckoning you to go deeper, to release something in exchange for something that's greater that he's, he wants to give you, the grace is there for you to let it go. The grace is there for you to let it go. When we get distracted and we get off our course, there's a lot of voices and things that, that come to us. There's a lot of things that come to us that, that are contrary to what God's will and plan is for our lives. Amen? Anybody ex experience that? 
I know for me, there's, there's things, there were things that, that, that I began to start believing about myself that were contrary to what God had spoken over me. There were, there were misconceptions that I developed about other people from misunderstandings. Why? Because I got the gift to cut off. I don't, I'm not worried about finding out what that was about, what it really was. You got to understand that there are some people that God puts in your life to say stuff to you that's to help you. And sometimes it stings. Proverbs says, faithful are the wounds of a friend than many kisses from an enemy. You got to have friends that will wound you. I'm not talking about friends that do you dirty and dog you. I'm talking about friends that will confront you about your stuff, confront you about your funky attitude, confront you about the grudge that you're trying to hold. Because with that sting comes the healing grace behind it. So when we get distraught, when we get off course, it's important that we go to the Father, that we maintain our connection with the Father, because if we don't, we'll be lost in the sauce. You got that video ready? I just want you guys to kind of peep this video. It might be kind of hard to see, but... of the video. I don't know if any of you guys have ever seen that video before, but the story behind this actual video is uh, the baby's mother died during birth. And the guy who held the baby at the end was the one who received the transplant of the mother's heart. The illustration that I want you to see is that a lot of us, we're like that baby inconsolable, cannot be satisfied. We go from thing to thing thinking that that's what's going to satisfy us. We go from job to job, challenge to challenge, accomplishment to accomplishment, relationship to relationship, and we're never consoled. But if we would do what Henry Nowen says, 
Henry Nouwen says, I have to kneel before the Father and put my ear against his chest and listen without interruption to the heartbeat of God. Then and only then can I say carefully and very gently what I hear. I know now that I have to speak from eternity into time, from the lasting joy into the passing realities of our short existence in this world, from the house of love into the houses of fear, and from God's abode into the dwellings of human beings. For you note takers out there, I want you to understand that in order for us to continue this race, in order for us to run back this grace, we have to have the proper posture or position. The posture and position is to kneel before the Father. Kneeling before the Father shows humility and submission to his will. Mostrar humildad y sumisión a su voluntad. We have to submit to the will of God and not our own will. So our position has to be correct. If we're out of position, then we'll be off course. If we're off course, we won't reach our destination. Amen? So once I'm in position, once I've nailed before the Father, once I've, 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 I've humbled myself before him and submitted myself to his will, I then can echo. I can echo what it is that I've heard from him. I can say carefully and very gently what it is that I've heard from him. To give you a definition of, of what an echo is, an echo is the rep, repetition of a sound caused by the reflection of sound waves, the sound due to such reflection, a repetition or imitation of another, one who closely imitates or repeats another's words, ideas, or acts. We are called to be imitators of Christ. So we have to have the proper position, which is to kneel before him, and then we can echo, we can imitate what it is that's in the Father's heart. When we echo what it is that's in the Father's heart, we are declaring what he decrees. I'm not talking about the declare what he decrees like you get in a Bentley before the year is up. I'm not talking about that supernatural debt cancellation, declare what he decrees. I'm talking about you're declaring the promises, the statutes, the commands of God over your life. That as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I am above and not beneath. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about this genie in a bottle declaring decree. I'm talking about because I am saved, I declare that my whole household will be saved. I declare that all of my offerings, all of the things that I've been giving, all of my sacrifices have gone up be, as a monument before God, and he will not forget about me. That's what I'm talking about. That's what you declare and decree. We are able to echo. We are able to imitate what is in the heart of God.
And once we've echoed what's in the heart of God, once we are in the midst of being in the right position, echoing the heart of God, one of the things that you got to understand is that when we're echoing the heart of God, we, whatever it is that we've heard directly from his heartbeat, we can be confident and trust that it's truth, that it is spirit and life, and we don't need to add anything to it or take anything away from it. When we have a God complex is when we start adding stuff and taking stuff away. I don't know about you, but it, it, it can be kind of kind of an awkward or a nervous type situation sometimes when God tells you how to admit, he interrupts your day and tells you to go over and say something to this person. That's when we see if you really trust God. That's when we see if you got a God complex and you're going to try and add something to the message or take something away from the message. Understand this, that when we declare what he has decreed, that we are only messengers, not messiahs. <laughs> we are messengers and not messiahs. Sabiendo que somos mensajeros, no messias. We can't save nobody. However, we can display what a saved and transformed life looks like by taking the proper position, echoing the heart of God. Proper position, echoing the heart of God leads to a heart that is dedicated to discipleship. In order for us to make disciples, we first have to be a good disciple ourselves. From God's abode into the dwelling of, of human beings. When we're dedicated to discipleship, we are actually walking out and putting into action the heart of God. When you look at the life of Jesus, what did Jesus do? Jesus made disciples. He went to men that were not of any status or reputation and said, hey, come follow me. He revealed in them the beauty that they knew nothing of that they had. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to the same work. How many of us has God done that for? Revealed the beauty that we have inside that we didn't know that we even possessed. You know what I think some of our problem is, is, is that we forget We've been saved so long or we've been in the routine for so long that we forget the grace that was dispensed toward us. We forget about the grace. That's why we end up short with our brother and our sister. That's why we practice the gift of cutting people off. That's why we get irritated and, and impatient. Because we forget about the grace. We forget about the grace that we are saved by. We forget that we are saved by grace and we have nothing to boast about but what Christ has done. You got to be dedicated to discipleship. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. 
I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. By the renewing of your mind. You see, yeah, we, we get saved when we become a new creature. The thing that we don't realize is that anytime something is new, that means you have to do away with the old, right? How many, but how many people in here have ever started a new job? You moved into a new house or you got a, a new promotion, something new, right? Let's take the new job, for instance, new position. You can't function at the capacity of your old position in the new position, right? And usually what ends up taking place is you have a probationary period or it's a grace period where you get to make all your mistakes, get rid of, unlearn all the old stuff that you were doing to learn the new stuff. And it's the same thing with us is we have to, we have to learn that being a new creature is not just some magical thing where just everything, you just completely, no, you still live in the same place. You're still dealing with the same circumstances. But it's an inward newness that comes about. You've been reborn. You've been regenerated. You've been made new on the inside. And what's taking place on the inside has to be fed so it can overtake. You have to renew. So not just be new, but you got to renew your mind. Why? Because what we think about is what we talk about. What we talk about is what we be about. So we have to renew our mind. I have uh, four children. Me and my wife have four children. They're all... Uh, adolescent teenager age so I know that there's some parents in here that you've been there already you've, you've crossed that bridge and then there's others who haven't gotten to that bridge yet and uh, me and my wife are on the bridge and sometimes it seems like it's on fire and the kids are running around with gas cans that's what it seems like sometimes right but um, God has given us tremendous grace, man. And sometimes it's so frustrating. Sometimes it's so easy to see everything that they do wrong. Sometimes it's so easy to pick apart, why I got to tell you this again? There's a whole lot of repeating myself. There's a whole lot of, what were you thinking? There's a whole lot of, bruh, what's happening? Um, but the thing is, is that God has shown me that, that it's a mirror of my relationship with him. How many times has he had to remind me of my, stat, my, my, my status and my state in him? How many times has he told me that I'm living below what it is that he knows that I'm capable of? How many times does he have to tell me, 
Stop being distracted by the small stuff and focus on what I said. I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about you. Sound familiar? My kids would say so. I don't care what everybody else doing. What I tell you? And I thank him for his grace. Because once I realized that my relationship with them is, is a mirror of my relationship with him, I'm like, Lord, I thank you that you didn't punish me and give me what I deserve. Grace, run that back. We can't lose sight of the grace that God has given us. Even with as frustrating as it, as it can be raising teenagers and feeling so ill-equipped to do so, God's grace is sufficient for all the areas that we lack. His grace has made up all the rest. His grace helps highlight all of the things that we don't need to be upset about. But when I'm not connected, when I haven't put my ear to his heart to hear what his heartbeat is and then go back and carefully echo what it is that I've heard, I begin to worry I begin to doubt. I begin to listen to voices that are contrary to the will of God. You have to be dedicated to discipleship. But you first must be a good disciple. The mirror of my relationship with God and my children. And it's made me want to be a better child to God. Because me as an earthly father, I look at my children and I know that I have only good intentions for them. How much more does my father have for me? When I'm trying to get them to give something up because I have something better for them, how much more does my heavenly father have for me? It can be frustrating, but his grace is so sufficient. In order to be a good disciple, it takes sacrifice. I'm going to share with you a, 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 an excerpt of St. Francis of Assisi, um, his life and his sacrifice as a disciple um, as we come to a close. Um, St. Francis of Assisi, if you don't know, I'll give you a little bit of background of him. Uh, his father was a, a lucrative business owner. And um, Francis was his successor and his, his heir to his inheritance and to his company. And uh, Francis's dad was, was just beside himself because he couldn't get over the fact that Francis was so obsessed with this, this thing called the church. That Francis had been spending so much time at this church and, and, and talking about Jesus and, and just got so religified all of a sudden that he was like, you're, you're allowing it to interfere with the family business. Why are you doing it? So we come to this, the point in the story where the father dragged the son before the local bishop in the hopes that the town's religious authority could talk some sense into the young man. 
but the plan backfired. There in front of God and everybody, Francis stripped himself of his clothing and handed it to his father. Standing there naked as the day he was born, Francis said, until now I called you father, but from now on I can say without reserve, our father who art in heaven. Francis's father carried his son's clothes back to the large house that was now strangely quiet. Francis, on the other hand, went on his way, rejoicing suddenly freed from the encumbrances of wealth, family, and social esteem. But one final barrier was left to cross before he could serve God with his whole heart. One day, as he was walking down the road and saw a leper approaching him, he knew his opportunity was at hand. Francis reached out and kissed him. I know it sounds kind of like a weird story. If you listen to it in the natural, it sounds kind of freaky. You got the dude just stripped his clothes off, and then next, next verse, he's he kissing some leopard. The truth of the matter is, is that that's how dedicated Francis was to discipleship. He knew the race that was before him. He didn't want anything to hinder him from running to Jesus. That he gave up the clothes that were on his back that happened to have been purchased by his father. He said, no, you ain't going to hold nothing over me. He's like, you can have these back. You can have the business. You can have the inheritance that you set aside for me because I found something greater. And nothing is going to come in between me and my relationship with Christ. But then he takes it a step further. Now, I don't know if you, any of you guys are familiar because we don't really see lepers too much in our day and age in our society. But lepers usually have body parts that fall off because that's how the disease affects them. They look hideous and not, almost not human. And I believe the disease is like pretty like contagious-like, right? But Francis said, you know what, man, I've been doing everything else. And unlike the rich young ruler who said that he had been doing everything and God told him there's one more thing you lack and he turned away and didn't do it, Francis says, you know what, I'm going to go ahead since I got, I, I, I've been doing everything already. I might as well just go ahead and not hold nothing back. I, what else do I have to lose? I don't have nothing to lose. I have everything to gain, nothing to lose. And he went and involved himself with this leper. How much more of a portrait of Christ do you need? When you look at Jesus Christ and you see the life that he lived, he constantly interacted with people that were, whether they were actual lepers or they were societal lepers, people that didn't, didn't have, shouldn't have had any access to a man of his status. Why? Because he was in the business of revealing the beauty. He was in the business of dispensation of grace. You know, some of us, we act like other people don't deserve grace. Not realizing that we ourselves are in the same boat. There's not a person on earth that has 
a large enough bank account to buy grace. Let alone buy what grace affords us. Which brings me to Romans 12 and 3. It says, For I say through grace, the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Don't be deceived and think more highly of yourself than you ought to. We can get so used to the routine. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.